Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about Private Practice Season 4, Episode 14, Home Again, written by Krista Vernoff and directed by Mark Tinker. It aired on February 17th, 2011. Enjoy! We have a very special guest host today on the pod, a repeat guest. You know her as hashtag science with Sarah. Please welcome chemist, forensic toxicologist, PhD candidate, animal rescuer, ice cream expert, and incredible care package maker, my friend and yours. She and I have the same initials. This is Sarah. Hi. Also, this episode aired on my birthday. (laughs) That's literally what I was going to say. I was going to say, can you tell us anything special about February 17th? Anything at all? It's my birthday. It sure is. And 2011, I was just telling Sam I was living in Boston and working on my master's degree. So there you go. After two bachelors. Yes, because I'm a masochist. (laughs) (laughs) She says in the middle of her PhD. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Do you have any updates to what you're reading and or watching right now? I know you're reading textbooks. So any updates to what you're watching? Well, and I was telling Sam and I were talking about this off air earlier. I had surgery a couple weeks ago, so I've been mostly in recovery mode. So I was catching up on some scientific literature because I can do that while laying down. But TV-wise, I've been re-watching America's Next Top Model because I can fall asleep to it. <laughs> yes, early seasons. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually on season nine now at this point, but I started all the way back at the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. I I started at the beginning, and it was fun for me because I was watching America's Next Top Model when I was in college. And so, you know, just like, and it's nice because I've seen it so many times that I can fall asleep to it, and I know what's going on when I wake up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's me with uh, currently Golden Girls, but I I Ooh, rotate yeah. some other things in as well. Yep, Golden Girls is a good one too, but yeah, yes. I've been watching that and um, reading, again, just scientific literature, sadly enough. I wish that I was reading more of the non-sciencey stuff right now, but my mom makes fun of me every year because for Christmas, you know, she asks me what I want and I send her a wish list, usually of books. This year's book topic is my mom said it seemed like sad and upsetting and she didn't really <laughs> want to buy me these books. But um, I'm starting to try and understand a little bit better a lot of Native stories, Indigenous stories. I got a couple on there about things like blood quantum, which is like a really controversial topic and Native mm-hmm. in Native circles and things like that. So she, she saw my list and was like, I don't want to get you these. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to learn things a little bit better so yeah yeah that's my current to be read book list but well when you have any to recommend you let us know next time you're on I will do you have anything to promote at the moment I mean actually since I've talked to you guys about EDS a couple times now a couple of like our research group is currently recruiting for a couple of studies right now so I'll I'll give you like the website for the research group so people can go look and, and join studies if they want to. Because they're not just all EDS either. Our lead PI here at uh, University of Arizona actually just got $7.3 million to study long COVID. Wow. Yeah. So we're going to start recruiting for that too because long COVID has some overlap with some of the EDS comorbidities. 
so it's something that we already kind of studied dysautonomia um Mm -hmm. and so yeah she just got a bunch of money to study it in long covid patients so we'll we're probably gonna have to open that up for people yeah i'm gonna say probably turn of the new year we'll probably start recruiting for that so i'll give you those do you have to be local to arizona for that no, uh, a lot of our studies, we don't necessarily require you to be local. Um, I'm enrolled in one right now, which is hilarious to me because like I'm, I'm the researcher and I'm a patient, but, uh, but we checked with the conflict of interest office. They were fine with it. So we're doing it. I was going to say, it sounds a little, a little controversial to nope, me. Nope. We checked with the lawyers. The lawyers said it was fine. Uh, so, Perfect. but the one that I'm enrolled in, it's, um, we're doing like, Uh, like baseline heart rate and blood pressure and like respiratory rate and things like that through Fitbits like through mine's not a Fitbit mine's a whoop instead of a Fitbit but like we everybody gets one and we're like monitoring all of those particulars through your days and having you fill out like daily surveys about your symptoms so we can see if like when we look at symptom fluctuations, how they line up with all of those baselines. And then also in women in particular, tracking their cycles and tracking their symptoms, because we see a lot of like worsening of symptoms in women in certain parts of their cycles. All of that is remote. We don't require you to be local to Arizona to do those. We ship you the device. We do all the interviews over Zoom. We do all of the surveys online. So like that's something that anybody could join. So That's awesome. I'll give you the website to put in the show notes. Yes, please do. So can you remind us where we can find you online just for other people if they're like, mm, she said this, but I forget what episode it was in. How do I find yeah. her online? Yeah, so um, Instagram is the place where I am the most active. And on Instagram, I am at sickkidchemist, all one word. You can find me there, and if you have questions about EDS or anything like that, you know, just, like, give me a heads up before you send me a long, complicated question, because I don't have a ton of time, Uh, but I will do my very, very best to answer it in a timely manner. Yes, don't be a Violet, be a Cooper. Yes, yes, I love that. (laughs) I was, well, we're going to get into the episode in just a minute, dear listeners, but I was struck how Cooper asked permission to give advice before giving it to Sam because it doesn't really seem like a Cooper thing to do, but at the same time, it kind of does. Cooper, I don't know. We'll get there. Growing up to me, like he—he he really is growing up, and I'm, I'm proud. I know. Isn't it funny how characters don't change because they're obviously like written, and the previous episodes don't change, but we do, and then they change with us. Yes, like when you rewatch your favorite shows and and your opinions about certain people change based off of your maturity level when you watch the show. (laughs) Just like I was talking about with Izzy a couple episodes ago. Uh Uh-huh, just like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And how you, uh, how how sometimes when Derek turns to be a toxic, not son man, you're like, oh, I couldn't see past the hair the first time I saw this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all have yeah. that problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this episode was something else. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I knew this was the one, like I, I knew this was this one. Like I, I specifically remember this episode, but I guess I like didn't necessarily remember how hard it hits. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I watched it the first time through, and Sam, like, usually the first time I watch, I take notes 
And then I watch a second time to just like make sure I didn't like miss anything, you know? And the first time I watched it last night, I couldn't take notes. I ended up taking any notes the first time because I just got so caught up in like the, oh God, of it. Yeah. Alrighty, our patient breakdown for the episode. Sarah and I have too much fun together. We got to get it together. No, we don't. We can just hang out. It's fine. It is fine. Our patient breakdown is first notes and miscellaneous per usual. We have Hillary and Brett Loveman who don't have a diagnosis. It just says talk therapy. I feel like that's fine. I could definitely diagnose them with some things, you know, being the doctor that I am. But it just says talk therapy. So we're going to do that. And then we have the captain with a scalp laceration. And I have all my funeral stuff in with the captain. Okay. So before we start, obviously this episode, maybe not obviously, I don't know. This episode has a content warning for suicide and maybe murder also for the other storyline. Is murder a content warning? I mean, no, because we're not really going to talk about it. Well, I don't know. We're going to talk talk about it kind of in the emotional sense because we're we've got like the victim's wife and stuff. So yeah, maybe yeah. So how about for violent crime and for suicide? Yeah, okay, I think that's good. So I will put the general timestamps as I do in the show notes, and I don't have anything about Charlotte's attack. Me either. If for some reason it comes up, I'll put those timestamps in as well. But yeah, what is your first note? Uh, my first note is, God, I hate the Addison automaton. <laughs> it did remind me of the Buffy bot. Yeah, I mean, it's just, oh, uh, it's so uncomfortable because it's so not Addison. But that that's literally my first note is I just hate her as an automaton. It makes me sad and uncomfortable. Yep. There are no beach houses or babies in this episode. It's the first time that's ever happened. That's your first note? There's, n- Yeah. There's n- Well, it was my miscellaneous Sorry. note, but I thought I would bring it up to the top. Okay. There's no babies and no beach houses. Yeah. No, you're right. There's absolutely none of that. Yeah. yeah. There's a winter yeah. home in Connecticut. Yeah. And we see, like, the Santa Monica Pier from an aerial shot. Yeah. But that's all. Yeah. Then my first note having to do with the contents of the episode, although that does have to do with the contents of the episode. Yes. (laughs) But my first episode note is not Addison being mean to service workers in her grief. Come on. Yeah, that was uncomfortable as well. The bags aren't going to loot themselves. Why is she trying to play act busy? It's just grief does funky things. That's true. But the rest of my notes fit into our nice little folders. Do you have anything before we move on to our lovemans? Uh, no, actually, that's my first my first chunk as well. And I didn't even look at your outline before I did it. It was just how I did it. <laughs> Amazing. Hillary has a good point in calling the governor instead of weeping. I feel like, not that I've ever been in this situation, but when I am having a moment, I take a minute to like, literally like five or ten minutes to like wallow Mm -hmm. and then I get to action just like she's doing I feel like she is doing what I would do it kind of depends for me there are certain things that I yes I'm the same as you like I take I take a beat and then I get into action there are some things that it 
it takes me a little bit longer to kind of get myself into action for. And I think that's just because of repeated trauma and grief (laughs) over certain things, you know, like it just slows you down a little bit more each time. So, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. My first note on them. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that they wrote Violet out of this funeral by making her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry to bring the Violet. Don't be frustration right out here, but like literally, that's my first note. I was like, thank goodness they did not send Violet to this funeral. <laughs> like, I really appreciate this plot device. <laughs> I had forgotten about the pi- uh, the pilot, about the captain and her. Yeah. I had forgotten until I saw him again, and I was like, oh, right. I had, too. I was stating this just based off of the fact that I wouldn't want I wouldn't want her there spewing all of her Violet stuff at, a, at this no. funeral that was going to be really uncomfortable because of Addison's relationship with her parents. Like, nope. No, I really appreciated that they did not write her into it. It, it made me happy (laughs) yeah yeah definitely and then Sheldon like "Mm, I say he wouldn't have a reason to go but then he kind of does because he's elevator therapist yeah I don't know I could see them I could see him going and I could see him not going I kind of appreciated that he didn't go because I liked the way that he and Violet kind of worked together on this yeah, I liked how they split this episode up. And they split it up, but like it's interesting because there are, there are parallels. Oh, definitely. Between definitely. the storylines. Like they're split, but not. It's kind of neat. They did a nice job. Yeah. <laughs> I have a number of points in here where I'm like, you can tell that Christopher Vernoff wrote this episode. Yes. Yep. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell in a lot of ways. And I appreciate that. Yep. Ooh, when uh, Brett is in the interrogation, not interrogation room, the conference room. It's not a conference room. It's a really poor visitation room. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, the, in the scene with Sheldon, when he's talking about his son and he says, his mother and I don't want him here this week. Mm, that's not the verbiage I'd choose, I but like I understand the sentiment. I mean, I'm hoping that's not what they said to the kid, but yes. I feel like it maybe I is. mean, definitely could. Definitely could have been. Yeah. Yeah. I especially considering what we discover about mm-hmm. him. Like, yeah, of course you didn't want your kid here because not only are you about to be executed, but also you've been lying to everybody this whole time. And it turns out you actually did, you know, kill somebody. Yeah. So. Not that, like, this This didn't really make a lot of sense to me. The guy was being mean in a bar, so he just, like, murdered him. Okay, so I did a little sciencing with Sarah on this. Amazing. Please, please, take it away. Science with Sarah. No, that's the, that's, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Do you listen to Unhappy Hour? No, I don't. Oh, well, it's ending, so I can't even tell you to start. Okay. But it's Matt Belisai and Barry, oh, Barry something and they um they have a podcast together just like it's unhappy hour so they're just like grumpy new yorkers okay and he they're neither of them are into into science at all but there's a section whenever matt goes on a tangent about like birds or whatever there's a sound thing that goes this has been science with matt (laughs) (laughs) so that's what i did but (laughs) 
wonderful. I'm gonna I'm gonna input our science with Sarah jingle here. Okay. Science with Sarah. Okay, take it away. So I actually like was kind of curious because later in the episode the wife starts talking about how they had just had their kid and like they were up all night and like they were really frustrated yeah. and you know because the first like year of like having a kid the first two years even is really hard you're up every two hours to feed the kid and you know changing diapers all the time so on and so I was like kind of curious if postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis is a thing in men oh. or if it's just a thing in women uh-huh. so I decided to go look it up and it turns out it actually is a thing in men it's really rare and it's not exactly the same yeah. because there's not hormones involved like in women there's like a fluctuation of hormones because you were pregnant and now you're not and so on but like it is actually a thing in men it it happens to men as well because they're just like overtired and they're frustrated and they're stressed out like like parents are and yeah men can undergo postmortem depression postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis as well wow and so I don't think they did it on purpose but this guy's storyline sounds a lot like that I feel like maybe if Naomi was there because Naomi's the one who would have heard of that Mm -hmm. either Naomi or Cooper I feel like it could have come up but you know they were in Connecticut in a giant drafty house so yes they were yeah Um, but yeah yeah, there's your science with Sarah. That's that's it. That's all I got. Thank this you. Time. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, there wasn't a lot of science in this no, one. I brought not. you on more for your um your knowledge of the characters. Oh well. All right. Hopefully, yeah. I can lend that as well. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Science with Sarah. I have a quote from Hillary that says, "What's happening with Brett is preventable." she's going to spend the rest of her life clearing his name. Yeah. I just... It's giving... Are you familiar with the Leo Frank trial at all? I don't think so. The musical parade is based on it, but it's, like, basically just, like, racism and anti-Semitism in the South going wild per usual. Um, It's a great musical. It's a very sad musical. But Hillary Loveman was giving me Lucille Frank for a lot of this. Oh, okay. Brett Loveman was not giving me Leo Frank. Okay. Because Leo Frank is innocent. Gotcha. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she was giving Lucille Frank and a lot of this, like, she's going to be, she's going to spend the rest of his life, the rest of her life clearing his name. It's giving Lucille Frank, really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. The death penalty is, like, really complicated and, like, I don't know if I want to get into it. I literally wrote a note that was like, are we going to do this? <laughs> I, I mean, like, I thought I felt one way, but like after being the victim of a crime, I felt another way. And then I felt another way. There's just like, I changed my mind on the subject too much to have a discussion about That's it. That's fine with me. Especially one that like is going to be on the internet forever. Yep. I... I'm okay with that. I will say one thing about my opinion on the topic, and it's Mm -hmm. as a forensic scientist, I did a deep dive into the Innocence Project for a while. Yeah. Understanding and learning about the Innocence Project is where I finally kind of was like, oh, we should not. I don't think we should be doing, like, because forensic science is not perfect yet, you know, and, and a lot of these people were convicted in a time where we really didn't even have it. And so... And 
there's not the there's not the resources to go through no. and redo all of it now that we do. No. So and, and it sucks yeah, as no. it should be because it's a really important thing to do. But uh-huh. you know, we all are operating within this system until we change it. Unfortunately, yeah. The Innocence Project is it's fascinating and really sad. If you ever want to jump into it, it's a lot. Um, but I think it yeah. is something that people should be aware of and understand, you know, before they formulate their own opinions on it. Yeah. No. The only thing that I have about it is from my law and order knowledge, my extensive law and order yeah. knowledge, <laughs> it seems to me that one murder, one not premeditated murder is a weird crime to be put to death for. I feel like it's mostly like serial things or things against children or like multiple, like doing it multiple times. Yeah. And see, now we're having the conversation, even though Susie, we weren't going to have it, but it's like hard. Oh, no, no, no. We're not going to have it. It's just what the, what the government tends to do is what I mean. Not how I feel about it. Just, just what the government tends to to apply the death penalty to yeah yeah one not premeditated murder seems like it should just be life in prison the way that the government works yes. in the way that like olivia benson and like rola Esparza and jack mccoy and all of those people the way that they work yeah. that i've seen every thursday for 22 years <laughs> more than 22 years you know yeah what are they what's that um that quote from uh, Malcolm Gladwell, a hundred hours of practice or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've done more than a hundred hours. I have no idea. On, <laughs> it's like once you've done a hundred, either uh, no, it's a thousand hours. After a thousand hours of something, you become an expert. Oh, yeah, I've never I, I heard believe, that before, but I believe you. Yeah, <laughs> I, then I, that that all that to say, I am a Grey's Anatomy expert, right? Oh, I am a yeah, and I am a Law and Order expert. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that you are. Yeah. I can, I can endorse that much. statement. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. I can't stop staring at the hot pink on the outfit that he's wearing at the back of his neck. I couldn't stop staring at it. And Those were some weird prison scrubs. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're weird usually color and like the Yeah, orange or khaki. And the, I don't the know. The like lettering on them was a weird color. There wasn't enough contrast. You could barely read it. Like Yeah, yeah it was weird. And I think it said CDC prisoner. It is? Yeah. California Department of Contra- Corrections. That's what that means in that context. But, but no, I know. Center for yeah, Disease no, Control. <laughs> yeah, no. But that bright pink at the back really of his weird. neck. Yeah, I couldn't stop staring at it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. The acting justification and writing for these characters to work with yeah. was absolutely incredible. It was. Like, Chris, you can tell that Krista Vernoff wrote this episode, yep. whether it was just like the pure justifications that this people that these people had for doing what they are doing. Yep. And oh, the Shondalog of the victim's wife in her house. First of all, they shouldn't be in her no, house. That we'll get to so that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um the Shondalog that she did, and also just like the pure when you play a character you're not supposed to think of them as the villain because they're not the villain in their own story. And usually the villain is not the main character of the story. It's like said from someone else's perspective. And it just shows that like just the writing justification 
was so great yeah. for all of them. Yeah. Hillary, Brett, and the victim's wife. Yep. They were all right in their own way. Yep. And you didn't have to convince me of that. Yeah, no, and it wasn't hard to convince you of it either. You know, like yeah. I could easily have put myself in every single set of their shoes and like understood where they were coming from. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. And and I had the same comment as you where I was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely a Krista episode. Like this yeah. is absolutely yeah. a pure Shondaland episode. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Love it. I'm... I only have a few more. Do you have much more on them? My other ones are like really overarching, like, um, or like drawing weird comparisons. Like when he does tell his wife that what he did, you know, that he was guilty and she started laughing. I was like, oh, it's is he at George's funeral? Is he at the, <laughs> yeah, is he at George's funeral? I thought of that too. Like that was my immediate response. It's like, oh, well, okay. All right. Well. Yeah. There's the funeral parallel. Cool, got it. Uh, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> the other parallel that I drew was at the very end, you know, when the wife does actually go to the execution and everything. I said this is this has vibes of Meredith going to watch that one patient's execution, like having a friendly face before. Yeah. I feel like you would think, you would think that after all the Katie stuff, Violet would be done with house calls. Like, she'd be like, you can meet me at my office, go through security, I'm not doing house calls anymore. But she not only goes to Hillary's, but she also goes to the victim's wife house. Yeah, so it felt weird to me. Like, I could understand why Sheldon was there for Brett. Because, like, that's actually part of, like, the execution process is you have to meet with the therapist. You mm-hmm. have to have a physical done. You have to – you can have religious consultations if you want them, you know. Like, that made sense to me. It was, like, I don't know. Like, is that something you actually do? Like, do you have your therapist come hang out with you for a whole day when something like this happens to you? Not to mention that they kept talking about how, like, he had only been seeing Brett for, like, four months and she had only been been seeing Hillary for, like, three months or something like that. So, like, it's not even that, like, they had year-long relationships with these patients. I don't know. It was weird. I don't really get it. The only thing the only thing that I can think of is because they both work with the justice system mm-hmm. is that maybe like Court a appointed. social worker or something. Yeah. yeah, was like you might want to like could you do me a favor and talk to this person yeah. and Violet was like yes. That's entirely of course. Possible. Yeah. That's true. Cuz yeah, yeah. The, or Sheldon didn't even really seemed to want her there. Like no. She was annoyed with and She was like I can't yeah, making an hour to come here is so annoying. Yeah. No, that's that's about um, all I got left on them. The only thing I have is the quote that I really liked when Violet says that she doesn't say it lightly, but she's one of the strongest people that she's had the honor of knowing. And it's not whether she can watch the execution or not. She said, it's not can you do it, but do you want to? Yeah. And I thought that that was... That was really great. There was a really good balance this episode between Violet violating all over the place and making it justified writing for the character. Yeah, she, you know, I have to give her a tiny little bit of credit this episode. She she did some violating all over the place like she normally does, but she also gave some really solid advice. Like, yeah, she, she did. So, all right, she gets a point, I guess. (laughs) begrudgingly (laughs) 
Right? It's so weird for me to feel so much annoyance at Violet, but feel so much love for Amy Brennan. Yep, nope, I'm right there with you. <laughs> it's so hard. Because I'm like, it's like when someone shares the same face. It's like in Game of Thrones when Arya was wearing everyone's faces. Like, it's like this can't possibly be Amy Brennan. Right, right yeah. Yeah, well... That, and we should love her yeah. even more for that because she's able to portray this character that is so out of character. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. Yep. All right. On to the captain with scalp laceration and the funeral. So this is where our content warning for suicide is really going to come in. So proceed with caution. What's your first note? My first note actually says quote a few of busy's friends addison these are your friends <laughs> when she introduces like she brings them into the house and walks up to archer and the captain and is like yes a few of busy busy's friends are here and i'm like what honey they're they no <laughs> they're your friends I'm they were never you, busy's friends it's the it's the Addy bot. Would you explain to our dear listeners about the Buffy bot in like the broadest of terms? Okay. Uh, so in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's in season five. Another character has a robot of Buffy made, a duplicate robot. And P.S. Sarah Michelle Gellar is a robot as herself as Buffy. It's like incredible <laughs> like she just has this like perfect plastic sheen on her all the time her her smile always looks robotic and her actions are robotic like I always think of the way that she like turns and her skirt twirled like you know like Sam knows what I'm talking about um yes so the Buffy bot like has most of Buffy's knowledge and like knows what Buffy does has very cursory uh, knowledge of, like, her friendships with people, like, has bulleted out facts of each of these people in her life that she repeats <laughs> at them. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, she's just, like, she's Buffy Light. Buffy yeah, Light, she's yeah. Buffy Light with a little bit of robot. Like, that's that's what the Buffy bot is. Um, and they come to... And this is the Addy bot. Yeah, this is the Addy bot, because... And I wouldn't even call this the Addy bot. This is like, however we can put Addison and Busy's names together. That's what bot this is. This is Busy reincarnated in Addison as a bot. Like, It's Biddy. Biddy. It's Biddy. <laughs> hey, Biddy. Biddy bot. B-I-D-D-Y. Yeah, no, I got it. Biddy bot. That's good. I like it. It's great. It's the Biddy bot. No, like she says that and I'm just like, honey. Uh, okay. But no, that was my first note. And then my next note was Archer saying the tan and the beautiful. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, cool. I said, not Naomi scolding Sam for not going to yes. Connecticut with Addison. Yeah, I so love happy. that. She's like, didn't you learn anything yes. from our marriage? Didn't you Didn't you understand the social norms of marriage yeah. during our starter relationship? Didn't you get what that? What's wrong with you? And then when um, – Whoever was going to, I think it was Amelia who was going to do the airplane reservation. Charlotte goes, I fly first class. Yeah. And Naomi goes, me too. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. So I actually have, you're right. I have some too. So I said the boys plus Amelia in the kitchen feels very familiar. 
and I like it. Yeah. And I also like that Cooper thinks Charlotte isn't going to want to go, but then Charlotte's like, uh, no, when Big Daddy died, you came. And I was like, oh, yeah. this is, yeah, that touched her, and she remembers, and this is, mm-hmm. okay, this is nice. I like this. I guess I do have one thing about Charlotte's attack that we will do a tiny little a little um note here. Charlotte seemed to forget very quickly that Addison took that kit and processed it without her permission. Yeah. Yeah, so just how like when I Anytime I see Naomi and Charlotte together, I think about Naomi getting Charlotte's job after William fired her. I am also really noting how Addison did that kit without her knowledge or consent. Yeah. When I'm seeing their interactions. And I like, I wonder sometimes if that's like wanded away with the ultimate storyline where like, Charlotte did go to the police and like did like actually start to carry through with the justice side of things and if she kind of like let what Addison did slide at that point because she realized I'm putting my words in quotations uh, listeners realized that it was for her own good you know just like how she thanked Violet for Um. trauma dumping (laughs) Sorry, that was a very visceral noise. Uh, no, I, it's going to sound great on audio. Low noises always sound great. Right. The high noises. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and especially you say that and like the, the interaction that Addison and Charlotte ended up having too. Like, you're right. It's like, yeah. I don't know if it's like uh, we're saying Charlotte is disappearing it because Addison is in need at this time and so Charlotte is having compassion for her you know like I don't I don't know pick pick your explanation but I guess there are a number of them that you could conveniently put in there yeah Violet telling Pete to go to Connecticut is so funny to me and the the cut to Sam and Cooper's faces after that being like Uh (laughs) yes uh, and then I love that the hard cut from that after that is literally just all of them getting out of, like, driving up to the house and getting out of the car. Like, I like that we didn't, yeah. like, do any of the stress of, like, booking it and figuring it out and doing this. I like that we just went straight to it. Like, nope, we just, no fuss this. We are going to help our yep. friend. You know, that was nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But again, it made me think of how many appointments they had to cancel. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. Doctor's appointments canceling. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Well, and especially because you have understudies. Addison treats pregnant people and they can't always control. <laughs> like, and Naomi, yeah. Know, it's not like, like you could be like, oh, Naomi will see my cases. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was over a weekend. Maybe it was like they did a half day Friday and they were back by the afternoon on Monday. Let's hope. I hope so. I have. Um, on here, maybe I'll be Connecticut Addison for Halloween next year. No one would get it, but I would. <laughs> maybe I'll be the Biddy Bot next year for Halloween. Which Connecticut Addison, though? Because, like, I mean, the Biddy Bot. The dr- Biddy Bot. Well, yes, but like the dress for the like funeral itself was beautiful. I loved that I dress. Know. But the other outfits were I think, whatever. I think I would be like the one where she opens the door. Okay. And then all I'd say was, thank you so much for coming. In that voice, with that smile plastered on your face. And the slightly dead eyes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. 
I feel like it's mostly the hair that's doing it, though, because she would wear most of those other things, yeah. right? Like, it's like what she wore in the season one Grace finale minus the coat yep. and the curled hair. Yeah. No, you're right. It's a little it's bit. A low, I don't know if it's in a bun or a ponytail, but the low half bun ponytail at the back of her head. It, yeah. yeah, it looks very, like, step thirty. It does. It does. At six minutes and 54 seconds when they're all coming into the house, the scarf that Charlotte's wearing isn't really giving Charlotte to me. It's like – I, and then, of course, my acting dramaturg went in and was like, why is she wearing this? Maybe she borrowed one of Cooper's scarves because she was raised in the South and never needed one. But awesome. then I was thinking that scarves were very popular in 2010. Yes. So then she would probably have one. Yes. But then she probably had like silk scarves and like those light wraparound ones and she didn't have like an actually warm one. So she borrowed one of Cooper's. It, it's giving that to me. That's my justification. Okay. So here I'm going to, I am going to wrap in a couple of my miscellaneous because you're talking about the cold and stuff. Yeah. I want to know where they shot this because like the way that everyone was acting like overly cold and the fact that you couldn't see fog in front of anyone's mouths made me think that they didn't shoot this somewhere cold <laughs> like they they yeah. made they put fake snow out and like you know did the whole thing yeah when naomi and archer in the are in the back that's definitely fake snow. yeah yeah it had to be because um because yeah like i said you couldn't see like puffs of of smoke in front of anyone's mouths and i was like okay so it's not actually cold but I also was like, whatever they did scope out for the location, they did a great job because that house reminded me so much of New England. It isn't even funny. Like, yeah. I lived in New England for five years, and that house was, like, perfectly nice, pretty New England house, you know? Mm -hmm. So they did a good job. Is it Christmas time? Because it feels tacky for the Forbes Montgomery family to leave decorations up past their time. <laughs> Because there were lights in the trees out in the, like, backyard where, like, Archer and, and Addison were. But then they also said, the captain said that the, the house, house has been closed. closed since busy. And then they were going to have the so party maybe it's like after January? the funeral, like, the memorial service. I'm like, so the house has been closed, but you're going to have a bunch of people over. Make it make sense. <laughs> Can someone explain me? <laughs> make it make sense. Oh, okay. Anyway, I happened to pause right at seven minutes and 35 seconds. Okay. And it's so obvious to me that everyone is on their marks. Do you know what that means? Yes. There's like tape on the floor or like a yeah. spot where you have to stand because of the camera angles and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And like everybody has their own color. Mm -hmm. And like, so when Naomi st stepped from one side, she was going from like one blue mark to another blue yeah. mark. And it was just so obvious to me that everyone was on their marks and I usually can't tell in their big group in their big group scenes, maybe because they're usually around the table in the kitchen yeah. or like in the hospital waiting room and they're not everybody's standing. But it was so obvious to me. And I wish I hadn't paused it because it really took me out of it. Well, and I wonder if it's because it was an unfamiliar location. And so like they really had to block it out versus like yes. the offices where they're used to the space. And so they all kind of have general places where they're able to stand and it's less like structured. Yeah, yeah. And like Amelia was the shortest one in the front. And then I think Charlotte and then either Cooper or Pete. It was just like it was it was a lot. It was a lot for I'm me. I'm bad for you. I'm sorry. It's okay. okay. It's okay. Again, I do understand that these are not real people yeah. and that they're fictional characters. Yeah. But sometimes it's nice to lose but, yourself in it and it sucks when you get pulled out. 
Yeah, yeah. But then that's me. Like, that is my specific set of skills that's doing that. It's nothing in the actual show. Yeah, well, but that happens to me a lot with shows that try to have science or try to have forensics or try to have, you know, I I, I understand. <laughs> Truly, I Amazing. do. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. What did you think of the cast of the tan and the beautiful Archer? Oh, my gosh. Okay, first of all, Archer being back. Like, I was surprised with how happy that actually made me. Because I don't really like Archer yeah. very much. But he shows up and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. You came in. Okay. All right. Well, this is fun. <laughs> and, like, his first interaction with Naomi where I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that would be awkward. Yep. Nope. That, that tracks. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I kind of assume that they either, like, emailed or texted or Archer something. Archer does not or, strike no. me as a follow-up person. No, but I think his, whatever the boy debutante training is, his classy training, if he got an email, he'd answer it. I don't know. I think. So, like, one of my comments about Archer for this whole episode was, like, his behavior tracked the entire episode, and I described him as a petulant child. Like. Yeah. And, like, to be fair, like, if you're ever going to be a petulant child, it's going to be because one of your parents died. Like, that's that that yeah. feels totally fair to me. But, like, as the petulant child, I see him not responding to an email because that's what somebody expects him to do. <laughs> so and that would explain a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Must rebel. Yeah. Oh, Archer. Yeah. yeah and, I mean, like, because all of his behavior, all of his speech, when they're, like, meeting with the lawyer and, like, executing the will and talking about the services and he's just sitting there like, why am I here? Like, all of that tracks as petulant child Archer yeah. behavior. Like, it fits, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And also Addison's posture in that scene with the lawyer versus the captain's mm-hmm. and Archer's. But I, I noticed the captain's more. He was really slumped down, yeah. sipping his bourbon or whatever it is well as we find out later he was probably also high because yeah because he had drugs mixin mixin yeah. mm-hmm. so my timestamp era apparently eight minutes and four seconds it's during archer and naomi's talk there is a giant canvas painting of a very young i Addison saw that and too a very, yeah I literally a very young archer Yes! They're in white shirts, maybe like polos and navy pants. It's right behind Naomi. They have so many exclamation points. My note literally says... Good job, art department. I wish we could see the background pictures of Addison and Archer. They look painted. (laughs) Yes, yes. So I noticed it too. (laughs) And it had one of those fancy gold ornate frames around it, Uh like light over top, like it was in a museum or something. Yep, nope, I saw it too. (laughs) They did a great job. Yeah, it really tracks. It reminded me of the portrait of Cher in Clueless. Oh my God. Like when she first walks down the um, – or maybe it's not Cher. Maybe it's Cher's mom. Um, um, when she first walks down the stairs and it's right there. I think it's, I her think mom. it's Cher's mom because she's – I think it's her mom. Yeah. yeah. But yes. <laughs> and like the like the Rory painting in Gilmore Girls yes. in, their, in her grandparents' house. Yep. Oh, man. Amazing. Incredible. Truly. I kind of always wanted one of those, but my house is not one that you would just like have a portrait like that in. We had pictures. But now I'm like, oh, I have them of my fur child everywhere. My my grandparents, uh, they didn't have portraits, but they had fancy paintings with like the museum light 
hanging over them stuff all over their house. Like they're Ooh. Their house is an interesting place. Uh, <laughs> you can leave that in. I'm fine with it. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's fine. Uh, Will do. You didn't say anything bad. No, interesting is not bad. Yeah, well, in this case, it yeah. is bad, but like I didn't say that, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I maybe do have a science with Sarah question. Oh, okay. Addison mixing up the cause of death, aneurysm versus heart attack. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you need an autopsy to know what caused it? It's not like blunt force trauma or like hitting your head on something. Like you need an autopsy to know what caused that. And that can't have been made up or kept secret. And then we find out that Charlotte saw the certificate. So like forensics, please, please, yeah, let me know what your thoughts are. Your face is telling me you have thoughts. Yeah, no, I do. Okay, so we're going to talk about death for a second, guys. So- when a death occurs, the you know somebody has to call time of death. So it's either a doctor if you're in a hospital, or it can be a paramedic if you're not in a hospital, or whatever, like fire department, ambulance, whoever shows up. And then they have to report that death to the county or the state or whoever the jurisdiction is in that case. Um, when they report it, they describe the circumstances, and the county decides what happened. And in most counties or most states that I've worked in, obvious suicides are not always autopsied. Um, So if a suicide occurs with an obvious cause and there's a note and like it is very straightforward, they won't bring the body in for an autopsy. They'll just collect like blood and urine and biological samples at the scene and they'll test them toxicologically to like make sure that whatever the person took, if it was a death by overdose, matches like what bottle was out. And, like, to make sure that the amount is actually a lethal one. But they won't do an autopsy. Those are called sign-outs. So they'll go ahead and sign the death certificate stating that this was the cause of death and everything without actually doing a full autopsy. Um, And then there are cases where you do have to bring in a body and do a full autopsy and a full investigation. So those are, like, more obvious, like, homicides or accidents or things like that or, like, suicides that aren't very straightforward. So, yeah. So... Okay. It's plausible for them to have not done an autopsy on Bibi. Welcome to forensics. Yay! But no, in in this storyline, in this episode, it is entirely plausible that they would sign a death certificate without doing an autopsy on Bibi, in which case, like, even Addison wouldn't know the heart attack versus aneurysm, which obviously it was neither of those things, but like she wouldn't know because there wouldn't have even been an autopsy. And Charlotte, again, yeah. would actually know all of that. She would know there wasn't an autopsy. She would know the cause of death. She, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, because first she goes, she died in her sleep. And then she said aneurysm. Then she said heart attack. And Sam was like, don't you mean aneurysm? And yep. there was a lot. It seems very unlike Addison to not think this through. But again, I think that's her state of mind. Yes. I I would say I would agree with you on that for sure. It's, yeah, it's and it doesn't seem, her, but it's in character for what is happening. Yes, yeah. yes, and I also feel like the captain would be the kind of person to look it up himself. Yeah, I have mixed feelings on whether the captain, like I, ultimately when I finished the episode, I kind of sort of thought maybe the captain figured it out because, like, the way he was talking about like how he would have wished that she came back to him after Susan was gone. Yeah. Like the way that he was talking like so longingly about that. I don't know. I got the impression that 
that if he didn't know for sure, he at least was like, oh, no, this is probably suspicious, you know, like, yeah, especially given the way Addison was reacting. And and I like respect Addison's choice to just tell Archer like that she didn't necessarily tell the cat. Like, I felt like that was a good choice. Like Archer needed to know to process things correctly. I don't think the captain needed to know. I think that was doing a kindness. And I think the captain also would have made it about himself, too. Yes, there's also that. And not that Archer wouldn't, but he's a little less likely to in this situation. Yeah. 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 We're in uh, Addison's bedroom. I love that it is, like, maroon. <laughs> I love that it is uh, – I didn't take a lot of not like note of the actual bedroom because I was more focused on what was actually happening. Yeah. But when she says to Sam, Susan's in there, it gave me big Meredith vibes. Yes, with Ellis and not knowing where to put her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. Nope. I had the same exact note. Yeah. <laughs> like, the same exact note. It was like, oh yeah, okay, we're doing this again. And it like, I liked that it was something, it was almost like a touchstone of the episode too. Like we came back to it several times. Yeah. Like multiple yeah. times where she was like moving her around and like, it also feels very realistic to me. Like, I feel like I would feel the same way. Like, I remember when I brought home my dog and hers and I was like, I don't, where do you go? Like, and like, yeah. she still lives right next to my bed, like on my bedside table. Oh. Cause like, that was the place that it felt. And I remember I was moving like six months later and I was packing everything and I was like staring at her box and I was like, I should just pack it. Cause I don't need it. And I like texted a friend and was like, can she come in the car with us? My friend that was driving, helping me move, of Jillian. Course. And Jillian was like, yes, babe, she needs to come in the car with us. It's fine. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, it just oh is like, urns are so weird. <laughs> like, you're just like, yeah. I don't know where you should go. But ultimately, I love Addison's choice to put her in the coffin. I, I forgot what she did so I said I feel like Susan's ashes should be buried with busy and then like 10-15 minutes later that's exactly what happened yep. and I was like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they're talking about Mr. Mulligan the cadaver mm-hmm. and I'm wondering how many people shared one cadaver in their medical school so in my experience it's usually between four and six it depends on the medical school and like what their resources are okay okay that makes sense in my undergrad I took um oh what do they call it basically just like and I think it was called anatomy and physiology so just like learning all the bones and yeah. tendons and stuff and like the difference whatever because all the other theater majors took what we called rocks for jocks geology yep. and yeah. like looking back on it I would have actually enjoyed that a lot but I wanted to take anatomy to like I don't know like because a dancer and a singer like yeah. you should know about your body yep. but we had one cadaver that we shared for the whole intro class and then from what I remember when you got to the advanced class it was two people shared one cadaver oh nice not it seemed I mean I did go to a private college and boy did we pay for it yeah your school is very small yeah 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 oh yeah you're wearing this sweatshirt right now Have we explained this to listeners before? That no, no, take it away. Okay. Take it away. So guys, this is fun. So Samantha and I obviously met each other through the Grays podcast group, the On Call Room podcast group, and started to interact with each other. And one day, she saw me in an Instagram story wearing the hoodie that I currently have on, which says BWC Yellow Jackets. 
And she was like, why do you know Baldwin Wallace College? That's where I went to school. And I was like, you, it's so small. I'm sorry, you what? And she goes, yeah. And I was like, I grew up 45 minutes away. I went there for biotechnology camp when I was a sophomore in high school. And my best friend from high school went there and I stole this hoodie from him. Like, <laughs> like I didn't even know she was from Pennsylvania and I'm from Ohio. We just had this whole like thing where we were just like, wait, I'm sorry, what? You know Baldwin Wallace. Why do you know Baldwin Wallace? And that's when we solidify. We solidified yes. the Bali Wally Collie. Yes, the Bali Wally Collie. That's what we used to call it. Yep. Bali Wally Collie. And I would go visit my friend because he he played football for Baldwin Wallace. But like it was a little bit before you were there because I'm a little bit older. Yeah. Than you, but but yeah, yeah no. It, it's it's so weird. I I know we have a lot of international listeners, which I am still floored by. But um. It's the university is very small. It's like yeah. thirty five hundred total, I think, less than most people yeah. have per class in high school. Yep. And if you're not in theater, music theater, music, neuroscience, pre physical therapy, or maybe nursing, like you don't know about it. Like yeah. yes, there are a lot. Or you're not from Cleveland. There are a lot of like there are a ton of majors, but like it's known for Those theater programs. and musical theater, yep. pre PT. And now neuroscience. Yeah, my friend went there for sports management. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, if you're not in one of those, you just don't know about it. So I was like, why? What? Yep. And that's when we became friends. Yep, I went to – it was literally the program was called uh, the Talented and Gifted Program. Uh, (laughs) You had to apply to it. And they only picked 20 kids out of the whole state of Ohio to go to this wow. two-week biotechnology camp at Baldwin Wallace College where I, like, lived on campus in a dorm and, like, went to the lab every day from 8 to 5 and, like, learned all these lab techniques and ate in the, like, the the student union and, like, the whole, the whole shebang, like, for two whole weeks. It was, like, these little sophomores in high school got to go pretend to be in college and do biotechnology. Yeah. Do you remember what dorm you were in? Well, I was in like a, it wasn't like a dorm dorm. It was like a, an old Victorian house that like. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I know you were, was it haunted? Um, yes. They said it was. And I couldn't even remember. I couldn't even tell you the street names. It was like on a corner, but you could walk to the rec center. You could walk to the calf. It was really close yeah, to the lab. Color. Like it was, cl- uh, mm, then it might've been laying. There are two old Victorian dorms that are haunted. I have a whole, like, I don't know, six or seven pages in my scrapbook from this thing. So I'll, I'll send you pictures and yes. I'm sure you'll know exactly yes. where it is. <laughs> the, at least when I was there, it's been a while now, but when I was there, the student union is still the same, eight in the same place. The science building is was new when I went, though, so mm-hmm. that was different. Okay. It um, was not new when I was there. <laughs> yeah, it was brand new. It's brand new. Wild. Yeah. We got on it because of um, the cadaver. So yes. I'm just really touched that they had a memorial service for Mr. Mulligan. I'm also remembering there's another show. Maybe it's Grace. I feel like it might be Maggie. Where they had a memorial service for their cadaver as well. And they like met in the woods. Is this ringing any bells? Yeah, I think it might be Maggie. And I think it might be Grace. I think you're right. Y- yeah. It, it it feels like Maggie to me. It sounds familiar. And there was someone who she was like, was it Winston? Is it Maggie and Winston? 
did they go to medical school in California? Yes. Yeah. Or residency. I think medical school. I don't Something. know. They sh- Maggie and someone shared a cadaver and they had like a cute little thing and it was like, I didn't know you liked me then. I loved you then. Yeah, it was like that whole thing. I think you're right. I think it's exactly Maggie and Winston. I think it's Grace. Yes. I think you're yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. The other Grace reference I thought about was remember the song? Yes. Yeah, the cadaver. Remember they were talking about how they met over their eyes met over the cadaver and like Addison Montgomery yeah. met her in the summer shape. Yep, that's that's oh. it. That's the one. <laughs> oh. Which brings me to a miscellaneous. I was mad that Derek wasn't here for any of this. This was a missed opportunity. I know. He was n- never on Viber practice. Nope. And he should have been. He was married to Addison for how many years? Of course he knew Busy and the Captain. Like, what the hell? I don't know. I that know. Made me when Charlotte and Addison are in the kitchen, first of all, I love the kitchen. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Charlotte gives the most beautiful, wonderful advice in that kitchen. She says, don't write it. Just speak from the heart. And then you see the Addy bot going, mm, wait, no, the Biddy bot going, Can, does not compute. Uh-huh. Does not compute. Yeah. She must write. Yeah, I just really love that kitchen. Yeah, no, that whole conversation is just perfect and exactly what Addison needed to hear, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, it was mm-hmm. that perfect melding of, like, that is exactly what Charlotte would say, regardless of who she was talking to. And it yeah. was actually what Addison needed to hear. Like, it's just yep. beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. I'm in the funeral now. Anything before I get there? No, I'm I'm here. I'm with you. Beatrice was her given name. Yeah, that that's so that was interesting. Weird. I've never heard busy for Beatrice. I would go with B. Yeah, B is what I'm used to. Which would still be appropriate for their circle. B. Yeah. No, it's perfect. The captain and B. Yeah, I think it's perfect. Yeah. I've never yeah. heard busy for Beatrice. Beatrice is one of my favorite names, Beatrice and Amelia. I like I like Beatrice. I think it's pretty and I love Amelia too. But. Yeah, it's also Beatrice is one of my favorite Shakespeare characters, which is oh, sort of where that comes from. Okay, all right. Yes, from Much Ado. Yes. I love that Naomi still has her jacket on in the church. Because, like, you, you know, you just know that her California-adjusted body temp is freezing in that drafty church. Yeah, that feels very and I true. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciated that little thing. It also was interesting to me that she had a camel coat, like a tan coat, mm-hmm. and everyone else was wearing black. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with all of those statements. I, I noted that mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Addison's public speaking voice was perfect. That whole speech, the whole eulogy, like it just, it made me feel so uncomfortable in the best way. Like that's exactly yeah. what it needed to be. I'm gonna I'm gonna read my note because yes, please. This speech from Addison feels exactly like it should. It's uncomfortable and a recitation of Busy's CV. I think that's exactly what it should <laughs> be. People who can read between the lines will understand that Busy was not a warm and happy mother. I think it should be that way. People will just have the impression that Busy wanted if they're not reading between the lines, and I think that's okay. Like. Yeah. By just doing that, that's what Busy would want, is want for everybody to remember that she was this pillar of society or whatever. And then for all the people who know better, they understand what Addison is saying. You know, like it just was perfection. I agree. And everybody's reactions to it, too, because everyone looked really uncomfortable. Like, I like that we panned through everyone and everyone looked uncomfortable except the captain. The captain actually, like, seemed 
like he was reading he between was, like, the proud. lines. Like, yeah, he like seemed like he yeah. was actually understanding like what was happening and like he liked it. <laughs> like it was Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get on my Cooper soapbox now how proud I am of him that we touched on at the very, very beginning of the episode. Yeah. Cooper says to Sam, are we in the mood for advice or just another drink? And I loved that he was asking about that. God, I love that when people say that. Again, the juxtaposition of Cooper ready to give advice mm-hmm. and Violet ready, ready to give advice. And the fact that they are besties mm-hmm. is – very strange yep. still strange yep. in that yeah and i uh for the record love it when humans do that in real life like that is one of the pillars i think of a lot of my friendships with people is like when somebody approaches me and says i need to talk about a thing i'm like cool are we venting or do we need action like what are we yes. doing here because i'm happy to do either i just need to know what mind frame i should be like in to help you like all i want to do yeah, is and help they're you. very different yes Totally different. Yeah. Nope. I was proud of Cooper for that. Amelia has a little cold in this episode. Katarina Scorsone. I noticed that too. She sounded She's stuffy. A little bit. A little bit stuffy. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, I feel better. But I mean, but also it felt right since they went to Connecticut from LA and, you know, I could see that. I could see some sinus congestion yeah. happening. That that felt okay. Yeah. Convenient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the captain coming to Pete about Violet over and over in this whole episode was so cringy. Mm-hmm. Pete gets props. Yeah. For not reacting. Truly. I don't know how he had the patience that he did to not react until the, the time he did. Like, I just... And and even then, he didn't push him. No. He fell over. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. Can you imagine if that was Alex? Alex would have punched <laughs> him on the first... <laughs> yes. Alex would have punched him before he even opened his mouth. <laughs> Yeah. In, no, when they first came yeah, into the house, being like, where's... <sighs> I th- think it was Pete that said, yeah, when he's stitching up his head wound. That whole conversation. He said, um, the captain says they're adults, and Pete said it's not today. Today they're yeah. your kids. Yeah. There's a, a four-year-old who I babysit who is so wise and her sister is wise as well, but um, she said something to me yesterday out of nowhere. Okay. And she said, I feel like adults are really kids. Or she said, I feel like grownups are really kids. And I was like, oh, like what What do you mean? She goes, well, because everybody has parents. And I wasn't going to get into the fact that not everybody has parents. Right. But I was yeah. like, I was like, uh-huh. She goes, so every grown-up is a kid to somebody, so every grown-up is a kid. She's not wrong. Yeah, and that made me made me think of this. Yeah. This scene made me think of that. Yeah, that uh so that line got me cuz like especially when you are in distress like this, like the way that Addison and Archer are, it doesn't matter how old you are. And it doesn't matter necessarily how toxic your parents are. You just want your parent to take care of you, right? Like that's... It's primal. Yeah, Yeah. it is. You just go back to it no matter what is yelling at you not to, no matter how many life experiences you've had to tell you that it's not going to be the place to go. It's the place that your body tells you to go. Um, So that that line killed me. And then it also took me a second to realize when Pete was like, 
yelling at him for the meds that he was taking, right? You know, and then like talking about how there's not a medication for grief because I think cap the captain said his doctor was like, yeah, they he said they're for grief, yeah. Or whatever. In that moment, I was like, oh my god, Pete's a widower. Oh, and I was like, Pete is talking to Captain as a widower. Pete's a widower. Uh, yeah, no, just like that. Wow. In, in that moment, I was like, oh no, he actually like knows. He understands this. Okay. Okay. He knows from what he okay. speaks. Like it just it didn't even occur to me until that. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. Here we are. If for some reason, dear listeners, this is the first episode you're listening to and you don't know what we're talking about, Pete had a wife mm-hmm. before Violet who died bef- right before private practice started. Yeah. I believe her name was Anna. I could be wrong. When the captain said I was happy when Susan got sick. Mm-hmm. Woof. Said the quiet part out loud. Mm-hmm. I also wish I know he didn't do it, but I wish he would have like told Busy that he would have liked to just like, you know, essentially spend a life with her as friends after Susan died. Like you remember like he says that? He's like, Yeah, I was kinda hoping she would have come back to me. Like, I wish he told her that. I don't think he did. Talking about your but feelings. I Forbes that. I know. Ma- I know. Forbes Montgomery's like never. I'm sure he didn't do it, but I wish he would have, because you know. Yeah. Because it it's what she would have needed to hear to know that somebody actually, someone else did care and want to be around her even after Susan was gone. I mean, Addie did too, but Addie doesn't matter to Busy, so you know. Yeah, I'm back in the in Addison's bedroom mm-hmm. with Addison and Sam. Uh... I just don't. Yeah, my note is, why is he shaking her? (laughs) Okay, so, like, and this is is a a TV-devised thing, and, and, I mean, it can happen in real life, too, but I just, like, am not a fan of believing that you need to get up in someone's face to make them face a thing. Like, no, it's such a traumatic way of going about it. Like, you don't need to, like, he, he gets, like, physical with her, like... Very much it so. It made me so uncomfortable. I'm like, you don't have to, like, grab her and shake her and push her. Like, she'll get there. And it's better if she gets there on her own without you doing this. Like, oh, God. I wanted to punch Sam in the face. It made me very upset. I did not like it. It was not at all what Cooper was talking about either. No, no. That is not. Mm-mm. And I. No. No. It's also not in my opinion, the way to get to Addison. No. Like, do a grand gesture. Mm-hmm. I feel like a grand gesture, she'd respond to more. I don't know what that would be. Or just but... be the patient, supportive partner that you're supposed to be and let her come around. She'll come around. Like, it just... Uh, also, I should note that after I went on my whole diatribe about that, my note, my note after that said, oops, my trauma's showing. <laughs> But no, but you're not wrong, though. You're not wrong. Which always happens when I come on your show, Sam. <laughs> we love it. We love to see Here we it. Are. When Addison and Archer in the back, mm-hmm. I think it's her that says, We are real people with real feelings, despite Busy's best example. Yes, that's exactly what she says. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was a great quote. Again, Krista Vernoff, thank you. Our um, Amelia scholar, Margot, who we both know, yeah. says, be, mostly because of, like, current uh, current Grey's Anatomy storyline, she goes, Krista Vernoff, I, I have a bone to pick with you or something. <laughs> they say something like, 
like that. I don't know. And (laughs) although, you know, I do agree on most of that. This specifically, I got to give Krista Vernoff a pat on the back. I like that line a lot. And while I felt like it was mostly kind of fumbly, um, Addison's whole speech she gives on, on people who choose to die this way, it really, like, covers the span of, like, opinions that people tend to have, like, good and bad. Yeah. Um, and she ultimately kind of ends in a good place-ish. Um, but I, I just appreciated the fact that they actually did have some lines in there where she's trying to process, like, her own feelings on how this went about. You know, like, I, I did appreciate that. And it reminded me of, I think it was the last time you were on, we were talking about how they're doing this, you know, all of these abortion storylines in Current Grace, season 19, and how, I believe it was you on here, and how... um how I said something like hopefully in the future we we can look back on it and be like oh it used to be like this like with the homophobia and early grays and transphobia and early grays I kind of was thinking that Addison's whole speech on you know when someone chooses to die by suicide some takes are great some takes are dated some takes are not great some takes are awkward and she just kind of went through the whole spectrum of it. She word vomited, but in a good way, yeah. sort of to her brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you that like it, it's good in a way. Cause it actually didn't date it. Like, cause we definitely had certain opinions about that 10 years ago oh, versus yeah. now. Um, but that, that didn't feel like it was from 10 years ago. You know, like yes. it really didn't feel like it was 10 years ago at all. So they, they did a good job. Both storylines in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, they were kind of timeless. Yeah. The graveside funeral, I think they called it the internment, mm-hmm. yeah. right? internment. Only Sam and Naomi were at the funeral. Well, that was weird. And then a bunch of people we didn't know. Yeah, I just assumed they were like her, I don't know, board members or something. Yeah, it was weird. I was most surprised that Amelia wasn't there. That's who I would have expected. Like, leaving everybody else out made sense to me. Leaving out Cooper and leaving out – that all made sense to me, but Amelia yeah, not being that was, was fine. weird. Um, and Derek, but we've been there. And I think it's one of the last shots of the episode, and feel free to go after me if you have more. Addison's face when Archer breaks down, she, like, gives him this look. And it's like when you see something that doesn't make sense at all, and it's a great shot, she's like, this doesn't compute to me. Mm-hmm. He's crying. Yep. Yeah. She seemed very, like, aghast and not in a, like, this is an improper thing, but aghast and, like, my brother doesn't do this. Yeah. Yeah. But also, when Archer started crying, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to cry now. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, what is it about Thankfully toxic it was- men breaking down and crying that makes me go, oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just feel like, I'm like, oh, no, look at you. You're actually okay. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who feel that way. I am just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> again, I love that we're making faces at each other, like the listeners can see us. But hi, we're making a lot of faces at each other, guys. <laughs> many, many faces, many, many. Do you have any more notes on the busy of it all, the captain of it all, the Addison of it all, um... the bitty bot, the bitty, 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 bitty bot? Did you get that reference? Yes, I did. 
Okay, good. I hope our listeners did too. I'm actually starting to sing the rest of the song in my head. <laughs> so thank you. It's going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the night. And all my world is a bitty bitty bot. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Bitty, 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 bot. Oh, man. Oh, we skipped over the fact that, you know, Archer and Naomi slept together again. So there was that. Yeah, there's that. There's that. I only have one miscellaneous. It's when Naomi and Archer are in the backyard. She says, Sam and Addison are beyond my control, and I choose not to be angry or bitter and just live in the moment. Wow. If that didn't take me about mm, years of therapy to get to... (laughs) Something not being in your control. Yeah, well, there are certain personalities that can handle things like that better than others. I am not one of those personalities. I have a very hard time admitting something is outside of my control and being okay with it. But some people can come to that conclusion a lot more easily. I'm just not one of them. Not I, said the fly. Not me either. Not me, said the bee. All right, on to Sam's style. Yeah, what you got? Archer's argyle sweater. When we first see him. Oh, okay. Similarly to like Addison's things, it's not something I really think of him as wearing in his daily life, but he does when he's at his parents' house. It's navy with brown and light gray triangles like Argyle is, and there's a white button up underneath and gray pants. And it's just like a little too baggy for me. And it was sort of more the style in the late, in like the 90s and early 2000s than it is in 2011. So maybe that's something he just keeps there. Perhaps it's even the captain's. Yeah. All right. That's Sam style. Can you tell us about our guest star spotlight? Yeah. First, before I get into the one that I specifically picked, I was like looking through the three guest stars, the major ones, Roxanne Hart, um, Paul McCompson. I hope I'm saying that right. And then Todd Stashwick. So they were... Ellen Miller, who was the wife of the man who was murdered, and then Hillary and Brett Loveman in that order. Um, all three of them were on CSI at one point, which I thought was funny. Ooh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Different episodes, but they were all there. The original CSI, Vegas. Yes. But I ended up landing on Roxanne Hart. So she played Ellen Miller, who was the widow of the man who was murdered by Brett Loveman. And I mostly picked her because she is a triple crown of a different sort. So she's been on Grey's Private Practice and How to Get Away with Murder. Okay. Mm-hmm. But also ER, Law and Order, House, Cold Case, Bones, Criminal Minds. Like literally this lady has done an episode on like every single thing in television. She also has done Broadway and, tel- and movies. So she's, she's done everything. She's been nominated for a Tony. She was nominated for a Tony in 1983 for the best actress in a Broadway show called Passion. Yeah. She's also been nominated for a number of SAG Awards as part of an ensemble cast in Chicago Hope. So she played a nurse in Chicago Hope for like four years. Yeah. I feel like I've seen her in like everything. Everything. I remember her in Bones. I specifically remember her in Bones. She was the mom of a decedent. um, And the decedent had like a bunch of interesting medical problems and made her look like she was a grown like adult woman but she was a child like i like specifically remember the episode she played her mom and in gray she was the wife of someone 
uh, wife of a patient. Was a patient. Oh, was oh she was a patient. She was the one who went and like bought all the chocolate in the gift shop, and they had to like delay her mm-hmm. surgery. Yep. Okay. Nope. I remember her. And didn't Alex sleep with her? Uh huh. <laughs> in the bathroom at Joe's. Excellent. I don't remember who she played on How to Get Away with Murder, but I've only watched that show through like maybe twice. So yeah, I've only done once. Yeah. Well, I've done the early seasons more because like it took so long one year yes. to get to the new season that I completely forgot what yep, happened. Yep, and I had to go back and watch it. Yep, I'm the same. Yeah. The only other thing I'm thinking of for her is because she has so much like theater credits is um, Roxy Hart is the main character in, in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, yep. played by Renee Zellweger in the movie. Yep. And um, her name's Roxanne Hart. So, like, yeah. what an intentional choice to go by Roxanne wonderful. and not Roxy. I love it. Roxy Hart. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. I love learning about our friend Roxanne. All right, trivia. This episode scored 6.73 million viewers. Low. Yeah. I, I, I'll be honest. I listened to your last episode, but I never remember the number. <laughs> They're usually like this season has been in the sevens. Okay. This season and last season has been in the sevens. Roxanne Hart, who plays Ellen Miller, our guest star spotlight, also played Dana Seabury in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Season three, she has lung cancer and she buys all the chocolate and then she races wheelchairs in the hallway of Seattle Grace and sleeps with Alex in the bathroom at Joe's bar. Yep. Todd Stashwick, who plays Brett Loveman, also played Mr. Kramer in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. This is season nine. His daughter was in an ATV accident because she took her helmet off. She took a picture. And he had to be subdued after trying to attack Shane and Derek. I remember him from the Grey's episode. I I remember him. Yeah. And I've I've only watched season nine on a few times because, honestly, if there's no Mark, I'm not as interested. That's fair. So this is a goof that I actually didn't catch. Okay. But I trust that it's right, you know, because everyone always tells the truth on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) They do on, like, Grey's and Private Practice Wiki because people are proud of themselves when they find goofs, okay? Yes. This is um, IMDb, but same basic idea. Yeah. When Addison picks up the wine bottles and takes them to the table, there were two bottles of wine. A couple of minutes later, one bottle of wine disappears. Magic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely absolutely. didn't just like get taken to the trash at mm-hmm. some point. Nope, definitely not. not. That. No. Yes. So last week we had a Charlotte deep dive, and I I'm going to continue it when it, it strikes my fancy. Okay. So today we have an Addison deep dive. It's sort of a doozy so um settle in dear listeners (laughs) addison was 39 when she moved to los angeles okay when derek left her in new york addison dyed her hair blonde funny that when mark and lexi broke up lexi dyed her hair blonde maybe when people break up with mark sloan they dye their hair blonde as well well and also do you remember that addison admits is that this is probably where they got that from the deep dive she admits that she dyed her hair blonde when she was in the elevator with Richard. Remember Richard dyes his hair after yep. Adele leaves him? And so she's like, I dye my hair blonde. And you're like, yep. oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, continue. It is wild that Richard looks younger in season 19 than he did in he season does. one. Like, I don't know how that's possible. because they shape because his hair is gone instead of white. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. 
Since moving to LA, Addison describes herself as very zen. She buys aromatherapy candles and takes walks on beaches. Same girl, same. (laughs) (laughs) When she worked at Seattle Grace Hospital, her salary made her one of the highest paid surgeons in the Northwestern United States. Didn't remember that. During her education, Addison always hated neuroanatomy. I do remember that. Addison's SGH ID badge stated her departments were obstetrics and gynecology and neonatology. Addison sometimes wears reading glasses. She looks real cute when she wears them, too. Sure does. Speaking of looking real cute, she has a lucky scrub cap. Yep. Looks real cute in that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Addison has a very close sisterly relationship with Amelia Shepard as Addison took her to get her ears pierced. She did her hair for prom, and she explained to her how to use birth control when Amelia didn't know who to ask. Before she was officially part of the Seattle Grace Hospital attending staff, she wore salmon scrubs. Whether or not she owned these scrubs, or if she was wearing the uniform color of OBGYNs remains unclear. Actually, it doesn't because, well, I guess OB wears pink scrubs. Yeah, later on you get you get um, Karina wearing them, and you get Joe wearing them. And you get Meredith wearing them for a little while, too. Yeah. yeah, and Levi, too. And Levi, yep. Kate Walsh stated in an interview that it was decided to let Addison wear the navy blue scrubs to make her more part of the attendings group. When Addison wants to tell something she cannot tell, she stares at the person she wants to tell. <laughs> I okay. love that one. That's very niche. <laughs> it is, it is. Bear with me here, because this is a long one. It has been noted that Addison's qualifications are unrealistic for a practicing doctor in her late 30s, early 40s, as she has already gained a highly regarded reputation at her character's introduction to the series. Since Derek and she attended medical school together and were both educated by Richard Weber, it is likely she completed a five-year residency in general surgery, followed by a two-year fellowship in pediatric surgery, focusing on neonatal and fetal surgical procedures. Returning to complete a four-year residency in obstetrics and gynecology, followed by a three-year fellowship in maternal fetal medicine, with her likely to be two-year fellowship in medical genetics, following everything else. In reality, under the best circumstances, this would make Addison a minimum of 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, but it takes a long time to I, do all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know that she would have a five-year residency in general surgery, though, because Derek wouldn't have general surgery. Derek would have gone to neurosurgery. No. Remember when they were all residents? It's like – well. When they say general surgery, they mean a surgery surgery residency. They don't mean no. like GI surgery. Because like, remember all the interns, they all go through their five-year residency and then they pick their fellowships after that. Specialties, yeah. 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 So no. Okay. Yeah. When they say general surgery there, they don't mean like GI. They don't mean it the way that you're thinking of it, where it's like what Richard and what Bailey and what Meredith do. They mean it just like mm. surgery. That makes sense. That yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. It has been indicated throughout seasons five and six of private practice that Addison first completed a residency in OBGYN. To me, that's not a spoiler because we know that. Yes. This would mean that she followed up with 
fellowships in maternal fetal medicine and medical genetics, then completed a general surgery residency, but general surgery, as we said, not general surgery, (laughs) with a pediatric surgery fellowship focusing on neonatal and fetal surgeries. If this is indeed the case, this creates a continuity error with her being mentored by Richard, as stated in Grey's Anatomy and Fiber Practice. As OBGYN residents do not rotate into other surgical departments, this would be plausible if Richard were somehow involved in Addison's OBGYN residency. Woof. There's a lot. We're like when we when we get into the like where they did the things and how Richard mentored them and whatever. It gets fudged up so much because, like, you are given the impression that Richard has been with these people for, like, all of their lives when, like, yeah, it really, no. Like, no, it's, <laughs> it's like trying to say that he was their Bailey. Yeah. But he's so much, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any it sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's not mathing. No. Addison appeared in every single episode of Private Practice except for two of them. And they're coming soon. It's um, Two Steps Back, which is the next episode, season four, episode 15, and The Hardest Part, season four, episode 18, very soon. I'm like trying to think about what those episodes are even about, and I can't pick them out of a crowd at the moment, so I'm going to have to watch them. Uh, Yeah, I guess you'll have to watch and listen to VHAB podcast. I will. (laughs) Addison is the first and last character to be seen on Private Practice. The first scene of the show is her talking to Richard about her resignation. And the last, I will not tell you because it's a spoiler. Good job. But I'll tell you. <laughs> you you can read it though, so you see. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. In one college semester, she took organic chemistry, physics two, multivariable calculus, conversational French, introduction to the modern European novel, and tennis. She later had to retake tennis due to getting an incomplete. Sam, should I tell everybody the story I was telling you before we got on? (laughs) Please do. Please do. So, guys, I read this note that Sam had put into the little document that we do for the episodes. And um, so when I was in college, I have two bachelor's degrees. I have one in chemistry and one in forensics. And the reason for that being I was going for forensics and I realized it was just an extra semester to go ahead and do a chemistry degree. So I just did them both. But it meant that every single semester, I never had less than 18 credit hours in a semester while I was going to West Virginia. And one of the semesters where I had 18 credit hours was the semester that I also had brain surgery. So that semester, I was taking structural chemistry, physical chemistry, instrumental chemistry, biochemistry, cell and molecular biology, and gosh, there's got to be one more in there. So it was probably some like gen tennis. Ed. It probably was a gen ed. It was probably like <laughs> like I took theater and I took I took an art history class or whatever. It was probably one of those all in one semester while also having brain surgery in the middle of that semester and only taking one week off of classes to have brain surgery. So I was an Addison in college, is what I'm saying essentially. <laughs> Wow. And and I said it's giving Amelia. Yeah, or or Amelia, but that's the brain yeah. surgery. <laughs> I didn't do the brain surgery, Sam. I had the brain surgery. Well, so did Amelia. True, she did. <laughs> Addison is only one of eight people in the world who can perform OBGYN, perinatology, and neonatology surgery on a world-class level. I feel like that's like maybe a stretch. I don't know. Maybe there's more now. 
Here's my question. How does someone become world-class in surgery? Like, you get like a, a medal or something? I mean, to be fair, actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, my neurosurgeon who did all my spinal surgeries uh, was given an award from the International Physicians Association. So I guess that's how you get to be world-class? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, is there like an Olympics of doctoring? <laughs> right? Probably okay, that. I guess I take back my initial judgment. <laughs> <laughs> she loves bacon cheeseburgers. She has a cat named Milo, formerly owned by her patient, Lily Jordan. She wore a sea turtle scrub cap for her first solo surgery. Mm -hmm. She used to have a pet hermit crab, but the air filter was noisy, so she shut it off and it died. I remember when she said that. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Her fortune is about $30 million. She has a thing for Russell Crowe. I remember that too. She is not a fan of bread. What is wrong with you? Yeah, literally. If you're able to digest bread, how can you not be a fan of it? Seriously, yes. When she was seven, she fell off her bike in the vineyard while going downhill because her tire came off. She flipped over the handlebars and scraped her face on the ground. But Archer picked her up, told her it was going to be okay, and carried her the half mile back home. Addison attended college at Yale University and medical school at Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons, where she met her future husband, Derek Shepard, Sam Bennett, her future boyfriend, Mark Sloan, her future lover, and dare I say soulmate, and Naomi Bennett, her best friend. Well, buddy. (laughs) And also, I guess, Richard Weber, who is not shown, but apparently there. Yeah, I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I now now that like TikTok is a thing and people are like openly talking about Grace theories and Addison is back on Grace, hopefully for a long time, and hopefully we get Charlotte too. But that's a different podcast. I'm kind of hoping that they lean into it and Addison and Richard actually have a talk about like how they know each other. Or, like they have to explain it to someone, like maybe to. The new, what's his name? Um, the new baby shepherd. I mean, I would love that, except that I don't think they're ever going to do it because they'll realize the pickle they've put themselves in and they can't get themselves out of it. Like, how exactly are they supposed to fix this? Well. As we have just introduced, it is very mixed up. <laughs> who was I talking to that said I should be the, someone was like, Sam, you should be the script supervisor of Grey's Anatomy because you know everything I mean, about the history. I mean, if they want to hire me to be on the show and like script supervise on the side, I could help them get out of that pickle. I'm just going to yeah. say that. All right. If you're if you're listening, whoever's in charge of that, I'd be happy you to should help. pitch it somewhere on like TikTok or something and hope that one of them sees it. You know, I don't know if that works. Maybe. I don't do I don't TikTok. Like, <laughs> oh. So, yeah, I can help you. I can help you get out of that pickle. I can help you get out of a lot of pickles. I bet. And I have some good ideas, too. Oh, yes. Of course you do. Come on now. Yes. So that is our Addison deep dive. Again, as there are with Charlotte, a couple were left out because they're spoilery, but um, most of them are in there. So um, now we get to the part known as Sarah's suspicions. You already know what's going on, but uh, anything you have to put. Well, 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 how about we do this? Since we just said that we've got two episodes coming up where there's no Addison, and uh-huh. I said that I couldn't remember why there's no Addison in those episodes, I'm going to guess on what they're going to be. 
So I think one of them might be like a Cooper Charlotte centric episode. Maybe like we'll finally like wrap up. They're like trying to get things sorted out after the quite hellish year that Charlotte has had. And then how about the other one? Who else could it be? Oh, I will be disappointed. I'll be disappointed if it is, but maybe it'll be a P Violet episode. Well, we need to do things having to do with Violet's book. Soon. Yeah. So that uh, would actually make Okay, so there you go. That's what I got. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I go was... with anything else, then I will spoil things. So Yeah. My guess is this that one is maybe a bottle episode. That yeah. she's like not there for. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Anything before ratings and MVPs? No. I can't really think of anything. Okay, so my MVP, and I know that her name only came up like twice when we were talking about the actual episode, but my MVP is Amelia for doing all of these things behind the scenes without bothering Addison to make things easier for Addison at this time when without drawing attention to herself. She instigated them all going, got the tickets, did the hotel, tried to stop the captain's outburst. She's putting all these things together, but... I don't think that she and Addison said one word to each other. Like yeah. she's just doing this for her sister and not asking for anything in return. Yeah. Nope. I like that. Uh, I actually picked Charlotte um, mm-hmm. for, for fairly obvious reasons. I mean, like she came through with the whole, like Cooper thought she wasn't going to want to go. And then she was like, well, no, of course we go. You were there when my dad died. Like, Yeah. Uh, and then she came through with talking to Addison in the kitchen and like yeah you're right Amelia did all the stuff in the background you know but like Charlotte had that conversation with Addison and no one knew about it no one had any clue that that even happened Charlotte's gonna keep her mouth shut like she is Mm -hmm. just like I am serving your needs and now I will go away yeah yeah I thought for a second about picking Sheldon just for like everything he's doing but yeah. Yeah. What's your rating? I picked one that I have a little bit of, of personal experience with. So I did a stalled hurricane on the beach or just like a stalled hurricane. So guys, I lived in Houston, Texas when Hurricane Harvey rolled through and I did not grow up in any area that had hurricanes. So this is like my first hurricane experience. And I learned that with hurricanes, they don't just, like, come in and then go. Like, they're a problem for a while. So you get what's called storm surge, where, like, the waves come up on the beach and, like, the water rushes up into, like, the beach towns and beach areas. And then you get all the rain with the flooding. And particularly in Houston, you get all the flooding and, like, the bayous and stuff. And so you have to wait for the storm surge to go out. And then all of the flooded waters to come out of the bayous and go out and make their way into the ocean before anything stops flooding. So it takes weeks. And that's what this episode felt like to me is like we've been going through this busy stuff for a couple of weeks now because she came around with Susan and Susan was sick and then we had this wedding and then Susan died and now Busy died and And it's just like one wave after another, after another, after another. And even now that the waves are gone, we're going to be dealing with Addison's grief and complex feelings over busy being gone for some time now. So, yeah. Maybe we won't actually get her feelings because she's 
not in some of the episodes. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. So my rating is puffer coats on people on the beach. It's not (laughs) something you like expect to see. Nope. (laughs) If it's cold and you aren't there, the pictures don't make sense. But if you are there, you get why it's needed. Yeah. And, you know, these storylines, nothing actually involved medicine. Like, yes, some of it involved psychiatry, and obviously, like, Pete was stitching his the captain's head up, and he we were talking about mixing pills and medicine and all of that, but it nothing was in the office except for that one scene. Nothing was in the hospital. Things didn't make sense, and if this was the only episode of Private Practice that you watched, you would probably be very confused. Yeah. But you get why it's needed if you – you know, deep dive like us. Yeah, nope, I like that. That's that's good. That's good. Good job. Thank you. You're Came welcome. to me. Unlike last time, I was like, even like as I was saying it, I was like, I don't think this makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep talking. Something will come out. It's okay. Yeah. Sometimes I wish that we did a one through 10 rating system, but I don't think I could. I'd just be like, 10, 10, 10, 1, 10. <laughs> But this episode, I really, I think it's maybe one of the strongest ones of the season. Not saying something because of how strong this season is. No, it is definitely saying something because this is a season full of, I was about to say banger episodes, but that feels really inappropriate, uh, of really good episodes, you know, like there's, there's a lot of really solid ones. So yeah, for you to rate it that high, it's, it means it's pretty dang good. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at BHAB Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me at Samantha G. Harris on all social media. And you can follow me at Chemist on Instagram. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify now and sharing with a friend. It really helps people learn about the show and we might read your review on the podcast. I'd really love to have some to read. We haven't got one in a long time. I'd love to hear some. I love getting your DMs and everything like that. And yeah, it just really feels like I'm just putting this out into the void. And, and uh, when I hear back, it feels great. You can also become a member of our Patreon community at patreon.com slash B-H-A-B podcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing Private Practice Season 4, Episode 15. They're available to stream on Hulu and can be purchased on iTunes, Amazon, DVD, and more. And I was told by one of our listeners that they're available on Disney Plus internationally. Just not in America for some reason, which is very rude. If you have thoughts you'd like to share with us on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at BHAB Podcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. BHAB Podcast will be back in two weeks. TGIT. Bitty, 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 bot. <laughs>